Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm Elizabeth Lewis, and alongside some of my dearest friends, we've created the show so women have a space to have unfiltered, extremely raw, and insanely real conversations. Nothing is off limits here. This space is for moms who want to talk about everything, to dive into conversations we all deeply desire to have, but fear what others may think of us. This is your invitation to pull up a seat in a judgment-free zone and have a little heart-to-heart. Now, let's get unfiltered. This is a Soul Fire production. This month is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and we're honored to have Brooke on this episode, as well as one of my best friends, Lauren Laszczak, who has moved through or experienced infant loss. And oh, they give so many great tips and just insight into what it's like to move through that and reminding you, you aren't alone in this, that there are so many women out there that want to support you and hold you and just be there for you. And so if you are someone moving through this, listen to this episode. If you are someone who hasn't moved through this, Listen for your sister, listen for your best friend, listen for a woman within your community that could move through this so you know how to better support her. Listen because you care and you want to be a better human. I promise listening to this this episode will change you in so many ways because loss is something that is so indescribable yet brings so many of us together. Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, and this week I am so excited to be here with Brooke and one of my best friends, Lauren Lazchek. And this week we are honoring Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And we're doing that because both of these women have experience. So many women I personally know within our community, within your community, women that you know have experienced some type of loss when it comes to pregnancy. And it's important for us to take a moment and honor that for all of those women, especially when there are things that aren't honored as much because they're not your typical or things that people hear a lot about. And so I want to first jump in. Everyone knows Brooke. But I want Brooke to still share her story. And also, I'm going to let Lauren introduce herself since you guys have not. Actually, Lauren's been on some previous episodes. So if you've listened to The Unfiltered Mom in previous seasons, Lauren was on a few of those seasons. So you might know some about her, but this episode is solely dedicated to her story and honoring her sweet baby boy, Ben, and what their work in the world has done since his passing. Um, So go ahead, Lauren, introduce yourself. Mm. Thanks, Elizabeth. I'm Lauren Lazchek. I am a mom of four. I have three on this earth and one in heaven, as you mentioned, Benjamin. I'm also a business coach and I own a few different companies, including a well-being and retreat company with you, Elizabeth. We take women all over the world, helping remind them who they are. And honestly, a big part of that has to do with women moving through grief and trying to reclaim themselves, many of which have moved through loss, such as myself. So do you want me to get into the story right here, Elizabeth, or just keep introducing? I don't want to, I don't want to jump right into the story. Sorry. I should. No. Um, and I also want to preface this with this, this episode could really be triggering for many women. And so if you find that you are moving through this or have recently moved through this, or you've moved through this at all. And you're like, I know this could be really triggering to me. Don't listen any further and wait till you're really ready to listen. And also if you're listening to this and you're telling yourself, Oh, or you see the title, or maybe, maybe you've made it this far and you're like, I've never experienced this. Listen for people in your lives, listen for women within your community, listen for your best friend who could could potentially experience this. Listen for any women, any woman that you could potentially come in contact with, because we're going to share ways that you can also support her Mm -hmm. because let's be honest, loss is just uncomfortable in general and people don't know how or what to say or what to do. So hopefully you get a lot from this episode that doesn't just benefit you who has walked through it, but for future women that could, or how you can support them. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. It's interesting how going from introducing who I am to sharing that very difficult part of my story, 
I try to remind myself sort of not to make that a segue because it's not who I am. Yeah. So if we jump into the story aspect, I'm more than willing to go there, but it's like, it's such a good reminder for anyone listening who has moved through loss. It's like, it's not who you are, but it is something that you've moved through and it's become a part of your DNA in a really big way. And it's going to affect the way that you show up in the world, but it's still not who you are. Your loss does not make up your identity. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say one more thing to that for anyone listening, this episode's for Yes, we're honoring and talking about pregnancy and infant loss, but it's for anybody who has lost someone or grieving someone in some capacity. I think that there are so many pieces to this that women can relate to. And a big reason that Lauren and I can relate to each other so much, why Brooke and I, we've experienced loss. And when you've experienced loss, it's a whole nother dimension of friendship and connection and things like that. And so yeah, Brooke, I want you to, I know we're not going to jump into stories yet, but just, you know, I know, I don't, I know we've talked about this, but just do a little more, a little reintroduction of, of that piece. Remind people how many children you have, remind people of your story. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm Brooke and I have four children, three of which I have the honor of parenting. Uh, and yeah, I've, experience loss. And I I really echo Lauren's sentiments that it's not who you are. It's not all encompassing. It does change you. It changes how you view the world, relationships, yourself, motherhood, all the things. It's It's like a filter, right? It's a different filter, but it's not who you are. It's not what I'm defined by. It's part of my work. It's why I do a lot of the things that I do and the circles that I'm in for sure. Um, It's part of my passion and my drive to support other women and help them move continually through loss because it's a lifetime journey. Uh, And it's given me a different perspective and a different way of empathizing with people too. Mm -hmm. So changed me, uh, but for the good in a lot of ways. I know. I don't know you pre-loss. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if any of us really know each other pre-loss like that. No, like my, my entire like Michigan chapter, like this, this time moving to Michigan is, yeah. I mean, we moved here and Sawyer passed a few months later. So all of my community here pretty much knows Brooke after after loss. Hmm. Isn't that so crazy? And where loss changes you on such a deep level that the version of you that people know previously, Hmm. it's so interesting when you bring the two worlds together, right? Like they have this previous version of you and then your friends post loss have this other version of you Mm -hmm. that's completely different. Yeah. It's interesting. As you say that, I'm just thinking sometimes I miss her. that past version of me that was just sort of naive and happy-go-lucky and all things are good in the world. I just, Mm -hmm. maybe that was a blessing that I had never experienced something so hard up until that point of my life. Same. I felt like I miss her a little bit. Now I'm just so conscious, so aware all the time. So like you said, Brooke, empathetic. And I think all of those things make me a better human and have served me in a really big way. And also I just miss her. Like, just that's exhausting. It really can be. It really can be. We were talking about that last night. How I meet someone new, and I'm just instantly like in my head about where has she been? What has she moved through? Be careful of saying this. Don't ask this question because I don't know. Especially when it comes to pregnancy and infant loss. I think so many of us as women have experienced this and we do not share it. It doesn't become a part of our resume. We don't sort of um, put it out there when we first meet people. And so we often don't know. So I just feel like all the time, I'm so self-conscious in a way of making sure I don't say the wrong thing, that I don't ask like, how many kids do you have? And what are their ages? Because I just know how many times I've been there And people have done that to me. And I was in maybe in a more sensitive state where even that silly, nonchalant question felt triggering to me. So 
I'm just so conscious all the time, especially knowing now, right, that there are so many different kinds of loss, right? There's miscarriage, embryo loss, stillbirth, such as myself, SIDS, chemical pregnancy, TFMR, unsuccessful IVF transfers, molar pregnancies, late-term loss, infertility, vanishing twins, abortion, adoption. There are so many different types of losses that I think unless you move through a loss yourself, you're just, you don't think about it. You know, I think about young me, it was like, yep, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. The baby's coming. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a family of three. Just never even crossed my mind. And so all that to say that, you know, I miss that version of me who didn't have to think about those things. And also I'm sort of grateful to be so aware, aware, and just, it helps me be a kinder, softer human. It's interesting that you say that I guess as I'm sitting here thinking, like, I don't even really talk about the fact that I've had two miscarriages since I've had a stillbirth, you know, it, it like, not that it doesn't count. I don't view it that way, but it feels like this was such a different type of loss. And I moved through such a different thing with stillbirth and it was very all encompassing, like physically, mentally, emotionally. And now it feels like those miscarriages feel really small. And I know that's me and that's my own work, but I find myself not even really talking about that anymore. I don't think it's just you. Honestly, I people all the time, because a stillbirth, right? Like I can only speak to my situation. As a stillborn mom, yes, I had to give birth. <laughs> I had to hold that baby in my arms. And it he is a full-blown child, you know? And so then I meet someone who's had a miscarriage and they immediately say to me, oh, I know it's not, you know, I know it's not as bad as what you went through. I know it's not the same. And I'm always like, that's not true. I mean, heartache is heartache. You lost a child. Why do we do that? We're going to be really unfiltered. It's like, why do we go to this place of judging whose loss is worse? Like who's hurt yeah. more? Who was in more pain? we're women. We had this dream, the dream alone, whether or not it happened in your belly or in your arms, the dream alone died along with that loss. I think that's a huge part of the equation too, is, you know, when we're grieving a pregnancy and infant loss, we're not only grieving the physical, we are grieving all that we imagined in our minds, all that we dreamed of, it all dies at the same time. So to say, I've experienced worse than her. I just don't think it's a measurable thing. No, and you're so right because when I'm with clients and you know they've had miscarriage or they've experienced a loss that they deem as early, right? I shouldn't be so upset. I was like, okay, let's think about that moment that you saw the two lines on that test. Did you just think about that moment or did you picture newborn photos and their first birthday and their first day of school and what they would dress up like Halloween. You know what I mean? Like you go for it. Like you just go for it. Mm -hmm. And then when you experience that loss, okay, well then the next holiday, you're going to think about the child that's not there. That first day of school, you're going to think there's so many markers and so many reminders you're going to carry that. So of course it feels big and all consuming at times. There's nothing wrong with you that's part of the process. You lost an entire lifetime with a person that you expected to be here. So true. I actually recently had a conversation with my daughter who's nine, which by the way, is a whole nother level, right? Is like, not only do I have to go through this loss, but my husband and my other children have to go through this loss and all that they dreamed of. But we were having a conversation before she went to bed and you know, she's, we talk about Benjamin a lot in our family. We really try to keep his spirit alive. And I can speak to that separate too, because I think this is a really important topic, but you know, she just said to me, you know, mom, I, I sort of don't understand why you always say you miss Ben. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you didn't get to experience anything with him. Even as a nine-year-old, she said, if he was here and you got to see him ride a bike, he would have said, I miss watching him ride a bike, but you didn't get to experience that. So how do you miss him? I was like, babe, that's a really good question. Like the truth is I don't only miss the things that would have happened in the physical. I miss the things that I thought were going to happen. And so I miss him because I just grieve that I didn't get to have all of those experiences. And even as a nine-year-old, she could feel that one pretty deep. So it's pretty wild to me that sometimes we just don't talk about that 
more often or that we just don't see it. We just, we, that we even have to wonder like, how is a loss so hard? It's like, there's just so many levels to it. And sometimes I think we forget that how it affects, you know, yeah, it affects us. It affects our family, but it affects a greater group of people, right? Anybody that's come in contact with us, anyone that surrounds us in grief in general, because I think too, it also can tend to push people away because they don't know how to respond to you. They don't know how to comfort you. They don't know how to react to you. So to keep themselves safe and comfortable, they kind of remove themselves. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know? Yeah. I, that was really hard for me. I actually created something with Ben. It's an affirmation healing card deck because I would get so many women who were trying to support other women who moved through loss send me a message or you know, reach out to me and say, I don't know how to support her. And my top answer was always just be there for her. You don't have to fix her. You don't have to change anything. She just wants to be heard. She just wants to hear her baby's name. She just wants to know that she's not alone in this loss, no matter how much time passes, because immediately when we go through a loss, it's actually the same as having a newborn baby. Everybody's there. Everybody's there to, you know, hold you up, to send you cards, to bring you food, to do all of the very respectful things we do when you move through any type of loss. And then within two weeks, a month, gosh, if we're lucky, a couple months, three months, everyone disappears and you're just alone in that. So I'm my number one thing that I share as advice is just be there for her. Just be a listening ear and do that as often as you can. You know, do that. Just send a text saying, hey, I'm here and I love you. Hey, my heart is with you. My grieving heart is with you. You are not alone. And do that after a month, after three months, after six months, at the one-year mark, at the two-year mark. Like I will say that moving through loss has made me a much better friend and family member and community member because now I think about that with all losses. Like I, I'm always kind of holding those anniversary dates in my mind and in my heart and sending something or at least sending a text of love. But then also that was why Ben and I created that deck because I was like, we do kind of want something to send somebody and we don't know what is right. So the deck was just a form, um, a tool for healing, for to help you know remind you you're not alone and you're going to find yourself again and there can be light after loss. So that's been really special. I feel like that's his creation in the world. And I'm just kind of the shepherd of it. But yeah, it's a really good reminder for anybody listening that we just want to know that we're not alone in our grief. And if you are the one who's grieving and you don't necessarily have those individuals in your life to do that for you, to, to just know that you are actually in a community such as Brooke and I, where as a collective, we are grieving together. We are healing together. So you really never are alone. Yeah, you make a really good point. It's so easy just to put those dates in your phone. So you get a reminder every year. You know, there is, I, I think that's something so special. And the people that remember Sawyer's birthday, it means so much to me. And I think a common thing that people say is, well, I don't want to make so-and-so upset by bringing it up. And I'm like, their baby died. Like they're already upset. Like they're feeling that, you know, they didn't forget. So bringing it up. (laughs) Yes. Bringing it up makes it like feel real. You know, it brings humanity to it. It makes that mom or that dad feel like their child actually mattered and they're still remembered. And that's the best thing you could do. We ask everybody all the time, you know, how's your child? You know, how did their soccer practice go? How'd their soccer game go? How are they doing in school? And that's a common conversation in parenthood with our friends include their children that aren't here too. That's all you want to do as a mom. You want to talk about your kids. Well, true. Honestly, there's nothing that feels better than, you know, Elizabeth sending me a message and just somehow mentioning his name, right? Like she's one of my friends mm-hmm. just being like, "Hey, you know, I was thinking about Ben." Like just bringing him up just reminds me, "Oh, he's yeah. here." And this is actually pretty cool. I think that well, I think what's important to say is that if we desire that, we have to share that too with those around us. They might not yes. know. And so for those of you that have a friend you're trying to support, they probably do want to talk about their baby. And for those of you that are moving through the loss, and if you don't have those people, you need to tell them. You need to use your voice and let them know, hey, I actually want 
this baby to be a part of this family. I don't want anyone to have to walk on eggshells around me all the time. Just be so clear. I am very grateful to the former version of myself. I don't know how she was this brave or strong or wise, but literally when we came home from the hospital after Ben, we also, again, have two older girls. And I knew that our whole family was just like not going to know how to move through this because they had never moved through something like this. So we had our whole family come sit in our living room, all the grandparents, and we had this little circle and we were just like, we just want you to know that Ben is our son. He is a part of this family. He is the girl's brother. We are going to talk about him. We are going to you know, make sure that he's included in holidays and things like that. We just, we want you to know, we want you to do that. We want his spirit to stay alive inside this family. And so it's just never been odd because everyone's just like always talking about Ben as if he's sort of in the room, you know, and I'm so happy we did that. And even my girls, they say to friends, you know, like, oh yeah, I have, I have a brother, his name's Ben, he's in heaven. And they're not weirded out by it or anything. And I just, I love that so much. I think it's so good for their healing, for my healing, for our family's healing. And if you desire that, you know, share that, just communicate that. And people will hopefully try to meet you where you're at. I love that. And I love that you did that and have the awareness to do that because what it does for your healing process is it brings, it separates Ben from the tragedy. Yeah right? Like that is like my main goal when I work with clients with loss is you feel like you have to be sad to remember your baby because that's your only connection. We've got to create a new one. Like your child was not tragic. That baby wasn't tragic. It was wanted and loved and we've got to separate the sadness. So bringing, you know, different ways to bring light to it. Right. So I encourage like any of your senses, like utilize your senses. I have a crystal in my window, you know, Sawyer and dragonflies are like a thing for our family. And it's this little dragonfly crystal. So when we see rainbows in the kitchen, we're like, you're here. We have wind chimes that someone put his name on. So when I hear that, like it's audible, like I have a a particular candle scent, you know, and when I want to feel close to him, so I just try to incorporate all these different senses to make him feel like he's here in a happy way, in a way that feels joyful instead of always having to go back to the sad moments to remember him. Yeah. And as you say that, I actually also hear this little voice that's like, hey, let's remind everybody that it's also okay not to be happy about it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. When you're in the dark, dark, when you are sad, upset, angry, that you let that out. You have at least one safe friend to be like, I am having a day. And I just need to ball my eyes out right now. Like, can you just hold some space for me? And you don't need a lot of people to do that either. You just need like one good, one or two good people that you can be like, this sucks. This is the worst, Mm -hmm. you know, this, because again, as someone who has created a product and has a brand around there being light after loss, and I do believe that I also don't want to demean the hard or the dark or the scary. and you know, that exists there too. And I think it's really important to remember that, especially if you're supporting somebody, you could be good for days, weeks, months, and all of a sudden it just hits you. Like Elizabeth and I talk about this all the time. It's fall. Fall for us is like, as soon as fall comes, if there's a feeling in the air, it's the smells, it's the sounds. It reminds me of the worst time of my life. And so fall comes and I'm just a mess. And this was a time of the year that I just was always my favorite and I still love, but even a season can trigger you. Like you said, a sight, a sound, a smell can trigger you. And so, you know, it's okay to be there too. It's okay to be in the dark as long as you have someone, something, some way out of it. You know, this is why Elizabeth created Retreat to Reclaim our community because we need tools for this. And unfortunately, you have a child or lose a child. And in my experience, I left the hospital with this box of like stuff that really didn't help, like really didn't support what I was about to move in into. And I didn't have any tools to move through that. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know what the word stillbirth, I didn't know it at all. Stillbirth, stillborn was not in my awareness at all. And so I left feeling just like, like I was in this hole. And so I had to slowly find tools and access ways to 
move out of it. And it took a really long time. So yeah, you need people, you need resources, you need communities, you need things that are going to bring you back to the light when it's just less accessible for you. That's so interesting that you mentioned like finding tools right after, because I just had like a weird full circle moment. Like Sawyer is the reason that I found Detroit mom. Like literally two weeks after he had passed, I found, I mean, I was following all these Detroit accounts because we had just moved there recently. And I came across a story about an infertility and loss group. And I showed up two weeks after Sawyer died and didn't know a single soul. And that group really helped because it it helped me verbalize how I was feeling with people that understood in a way that my family and friends didn't. Um, and now I'm like sitting here mm-hmm. at a retreat. <laughs> like, this is just so odd. And not <laughs> Sorry. It was just like a weird moment. <laughs> but and not odd at all, because I do think that I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I really hate that saying, but I do believe that we get to create a reason out of the things that happen to us. And so it is no surprise to me that your loss led to some really beautiful connections and experiences and things that you needed. I was the same way. I was a part of the same support group. And actually now that you're saying it, I was like, wait, were we in it at the same time? I wonder if we just, I don't. We're so out of our minds that we Maybe. don't remember because we were, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. How how far apart was your loss? A month exactly, right? Yeah. Like to the day. Yeah. So we might have been. That's crazy. But it's also what brought Elizabeth and I together. You know, we were in a community together, but like just kind of like, remember, we were just seeing one another. She's like, hey, how are you? How's your mm-hmm. business? And then when I lost Ben all of a sudden, like Elizabeth just like showed up for me all the time was in my, you know, messages, sending me, sending me things at my home. Like actually the Detroit mom community was huge for me. I got so many cards and food and all the things. And yeah, that, you know, that loss, our grief stories brought us together. It becomes a kinship and it's led to so many things. I can't even tell you how many people I've met and souls I've touched and women around the world now at this point have had just a tiny bit of healing thanks to Ben. And so it's just, it doesn't surprise me anymore. Maybe I'm just along (laughs) far enough in the journey that I'm just like, yep, I, I know why he, I know why it all happened. And I think that his soul's journey was exactly what it was supposed to be, even though that's really hard to accept. I have gotten to a point of acceptance because I see the way that he has touched so many souls. And I was going to say this too. It's pretty cool when people around the world send me messages now because of the deck and they bring up Ben and they know his name. Like I'm going to cry just saying that because I'm just like, wow, it's just such a reminder that our, our soul, our life is just so much bigger than, than we even are willing to see sometimes. And he just like, man, he's done more work, I think, than I have at this point, <laughs> you know, and it's just so cool. Like, he, it's so cool to me. So yeah, I, I think I've, I have found the light after loss, but I know it's not that easy. It's not that simple. Yeah. And back to your earlier point of, you know, having really hard days, I also want to say that that's not indicative of progress. People look at things so linear, right? And they're like, oh, I've done all this work on my trauma. And then this came up. And I was like, you've got to look at it like layers, infinite layers, Mm -hmm. right? There's never an end. And when you work through something, you open yourself up to work through something else, right? And it's going to keep coming. So we can sound really together right now. And we can find some positives in our story. And also last week, you know, I we're in a new build and we're still trying to make our house a home. And I had like set up this like corner of Sawyer's things. And I was, we have, we had him cremated. So he's in an urn and I moved him and I had to sit down on the floor and I just lost it. I was like, this is so fucking stupid that my son is in a jar. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just dumb. 
Like I hate it so much. Like I hate it so much. And I just needed moments. Like I just needed that. And my husband walked in and he knew exactly what was going on. And he sat down on the floor with me and we were like, we hate this. This is not fair. It's not fair that we have to have this. This is how we got to bring him home. And that's not indicative of like going backwards in my progress. Like I'm still able to move through this and move forward. And it's always going to hurt. It's always going to hurt. I'm so glad you said that. That was so important. And Ron and I, my husband and I, we, we actually have a lot of moments where things feel like a really big deal, where someone is making like a really big deal out of something. And we're both just like, look, when your son is on your fucking mantle, nothing big mm-hmm. deal, period. Yep. So just like, it just immediately is just puts me right in my place sometimes. And yeah, it's really important. It's really important to remember that you're always going to be moving through it. You will never be over it. You will never move on. There is only through period. I think a crazy thing, just kind of sitting here thinking about this is that we're all sitting, you know, for people listening, I know we've never really talked about this. I've shared a little bit, but I own with Lauren, a business called Retreat to Reclaim. And it really was birthed out of loss for both of us and helping women come home to themselves because loss has a way of completely breaking you and helping you refine or helping you rediscover or become this newer version of yourself. And We're actually sitting here. Lauren's down in the basement to give you guys kind of visualization. Lauren's in the basement. We're in a three-story house. I'm in the top level. Our retreat, we call it the goddess squad, is cooking and prepping. And then Brooke is over in the other house. We have two houses in the room that she's staying in. And we're doing this and sharing this with you, all being in this same space and something that was created purely out of loss for the goodness of other people. It's like a crazy, like a a really crazy thought, just how, you know, it sometimes bothers me because someone asked me, they're like, well, is it trauma bonding? And it's like, maybe it started that way, but it doesn't trauma bonding to me is keeping one another in the same stagnant place. That's how I think about trauma bonding and Brooke, maybe you can emphasize or put an emphasis on this. Is that how I want to say that? I don't even know. But you know what I'm trying to say. But when they said that, I was like, is it that or are they bothered by the relationship we have because we've experienced this loss that creates a deep, deep connection that I'm not sure if I could have with that other person? Does that make sense? It makes sense. And it makes me mad that you were even asked that, to be honest. That's such a negative connotation. And trauma bonding is more of a relationship, like you said, that keeps you stagnant, keeps you pulled down in the darkness and that you can't feel like you can get out of. The things that we're talking about in this episode and the ways that Lauren and I have sought support and community is because we have an openness to it, right? Like we we realize we can't do this alone. We don't want to, and we want to be with other people that value that depth that can hold the space that want to grow and learn more about themselves based Mm -hmm. on what they've been through. And that's completely and utterly different than a trauma bond. I know. And that's where I think maybe we need to do a whole different episode on this at some point. But I was just thinking about that as we get ready to welcome 15 women in that many of them have experienced loss. Many of them have moved through, um, miscarriages or loss in some way. And it's just kind of crazy to be in this space. Like, uh, like you said, I think Lauren, you said it all so full circle while my, my loss isn't an infant or a pregnancy Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's the loss of my parents, which I can understand loss, which has in return created or made Mm -hmm. me such a more compassionate, empathetic person towards people because I have that experience which also, because I had to completely break and fall apart, it allowed me to find myself in a way that could help guide and lead other women home to themselves, you know? And, and that's really 
over the next three to four days. So, you know, now that we've had this conversation, I'm going to tell you when we have our next retreat. So if you're listening and you're local and you're looking for that, we actually have day retreats. We have all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times women come and there's a common theme, whether it's, you know, all these women are moving through miscarriages or parental loss or, you know, their marriages or all these things. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's just kind of cool to not, I, I don't know if cool is the right word, but to think that something so horrific in all of our lives brought all of this into it and all this goodness and all this really amazing stuff and allowed us to be able to be in a space this far in, I'm five years in, to be able to support and walk alongside women through their journey, which I think is huge. Well, and just speaking of the trauma portion, I mean, both of you, both of us, we became trauma informed just because we knew that everybody is moving through some type of trauma. There's just, there's a lot of depth to this. And I think it just makes us softer and kinder and more thoughtful and more empathetic and just more willing to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And so it's like within our retreats, within my businesses, within my communities, within, you know, my, my children's schools, right? Like, I'm just so aware all the time that there is trauma happening. And some people aren't, some people don't think that they have trauma at all. I've had, I've spoken to many people who have said to me, you know, I just don't know how you do the work you do. I, I, I guess I've just never experienced any trauma. And I'm like, trust me, my friend, you have, let me list all the ways, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think that we're just bringing more of an awareness to that inside of these communities. And then those things, knowing that you're not alone in whatever trauma you may or may not be moving through, knowing that you're not alone in it is a bonding factor. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that feeling like I am not broken. This is a reminder that all of us move through hard things. And and that's the kind of bond that I want if if it's considered, you know, a bond. I want to be around people who also can say to me like, yeah, you know, I've gone through some very human experiences too, and they suck. (laughs) And also I've learned something from it. I think being able to normalize this too, like to be able to have the conversations right around loss, around grief and know that there's no timeline. There's no, because I think, you know, honestly, besides my closest friends who know the day is coming because I've probably mentioned it, not many people, it's been five years reach out and say, you know, your parents' death date is coming up. I don't even, I hate saying anniversary because it's really not a celebration, you know? So I hate that, but, but it's like people just. I have a hard time with that too. Like, I'm like, is it their birthday? (laughs) Like, I don't want to say it's his fifth birthday. I'm just, you know, it's, it's it's interesting to find language around these things because there's no language around it. We don't talk about it. Even having this conversation, many people, this will be the first time that they've listened to something who have moved through something and they've never talked to anybody about it. It's kind of wild. What was it, Brooke? What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, just about the the community aspect. I think when you surround yourself with people that have experienced trauma or a traumatic loss, they're able to listen and hold the space without expectations that other people haven't, right? I think that's the thing that I personally and professionally encounter the most is that people kind of want you to move on. They do have a timeline for you of like how long you should be sad. And then when you kind of just need to like, okay, well, you need to get out of bed now. And okay, well, you need to like do these things. You have other roles and responsibilities. And when you sit with people who get it, there are no expectations. They accept you right where you're at. And they're like, yeah, and normalize it, like you said. Yeah. Or sometimes remind you, hey, it's only been five Mm -hmm. years. Like, really, what is five years in the span of a whole lifetime or lifetimes before? Like, five years is a drop in the bucket. And yet you feel like you need to move on. Like, that's, yeah, it's good to have people around you to remind you that it's okay. Well, I think people want to put a timeline on it, especially people who have never experienced it. It's like, oh, it was a year ago. Like you should be okay. It, I, I feel like it's more because I've witnessed it where it's more people who haven't experienced it that will say, oh, you're not, 
better yet? Or, you know, this has obviously been a while or how long does it take to get over that or move through that or, or you have another baby and you're like, Oh, okay. So now you're not sad anymore. Yeah. It's a really hard one. (laughs) Babies don't replace babies. And then, then you're like, why would you even say that? And I think maybe this is something that we can give people too, is what can you, because I do want, I I think it's important that part of your story is shared, you know, or whatever you want to share. So people have context as well. And also, you know, I'm going to put in the show notes, an episode we did with Rachel Redman. She had TFMR. She had termination for medical reasons. And she, you know, I I don't want to share her story because she does such a great job sharing it. So I'm going to allow her to do that in this episode, but we'll make sure we're put it in here but really allowing you to hear so many different perspectives of loss and how we cannot judge nor say anything until we've walked in their shoes because you never know. You know, I could, I could say a million times I'd never do that, but until I'm actually in that position, I can't honestly say what I would do. And so I think it's really important to remind ourselves of that is like, you don't ever know. So listen to the story with an open mind and hear their perspective and why they made that choice. Because, you know, we, Brooke was on the same episode with Rachel and Brooke chose differently than Rachel, but Rachel's choice was just as important and, and mattered just as much as Brooke's choice. And so I think it's important to remember that, but I, I, one of the things I also want to do in this episode is share how people can support you. So not only if you're moving through it right now, yourself, how you can verbalize how you need to be supported, but how women who are currently, or who currently know someone now or in the future, how they can support them, how they can best show up for them, you know, different things like that. Okay. Um, This is such a loaded question. First of all, do your own work. When you have, (laughs) have that, that inkling to say something to like, make it better. I call them hallmark statements really turn inward and recognize that that's more about you and your uncomfortability with this thing, especially, I mean, when babies die, it's, I mean, people are so uncomfortable and rightly so. It's something that's not supposed to happen. And taking that beat and that pause and recognizing there's nothing that you can say that's going to fix anything. So just go ahead and don't. And that uncomfortability is really about you. And you're uncomfortable for that moment when you're trying to support your friend and you're kind of fumbling through your words. Your friend mm-hmm. is really grieving and has mm-hmm. an, an inexplicable loss. So that moment of uncomfortability, you'll move through it, but your hallmark statement isn't going to do anything. So just don't. And then also, you know, don't ask people what they need. They oftentimes don't know. It's suggest Mm -hmm. something and then give them the option to say no, right? So, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm going to have this dinner delivered at 5 p.m. Please feel free to say no if that wouldn't be helpful. That way they're not having to think about something, come up with something for you to feel connected in that way. And you're still giving them the opportunity to say, actually, no, that wouldn't feel supportive. Mm, Really good. I would also add to that, just no sort of open-ended statements. So for example, Hey, how's it going over there? It's like, oh, that's a loaded question. You can just keep it really simple, more so like, hey, um, how were you feeling through breakfast today? Right? Like, that's simple. It's just like one little portion of time, one specific answer is needed, not just like the whole shebang of, how are you? It's, it's so difficult. And I think a lot of times it's smart to consider if in reaching out, you're kind of checking a box opposed to really wanting to support them. So yeah. Right. It's like, Oh, are you just feeling like, Oh, it's, it's my sister. For example, like I got to make sure she's, you know, I got to make sure she hears from me so that I'm a good sister. Instead, it's more so just like, think about that person in specific, maybe one thing that you know really well about them that you can just do to serve them. You know, I know Elizabeth well enough to, to know if me dropping off a hot matcha in the morning is going to be supportive for her. You know, simple things like that. They they don't have to be big things. They don't have to be big grand gestures. Again, we just want to know when we're lying alone in our bed crying (laughs) that we're, we're thought of that our babies in this hard thing that we're moving through that 
we're not moving through it alone. Gosh, that's, that's so good. You know, I actually had a friend who said to me, like, I love when people do send texts to you and they're just like, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to respond to me. I just want to let you know you're on my mind. And then you have other people are like, I hate when people say that I'm just thinking about what, and it's just like, gosh, isn't it so crazy? Everybody's so different. So I think it's really establishing that. Mm, Well, and there's no perfect either. I, you know, we're here saying, do this, do that. It's relational. I feel like a good text, if you're going to send one, this is what I usually do is I just will send a text saying, Hey, I just want to let you know that my grieving heart is with you because there's nothing needed there. I don't need you to respond. You don't need to think something up. Like I, I don't want any of that. I just want you to know that I am thinking of you, but to your point, Elizabeth, there's not always the most perfect words for every single person. And even as someone, I think about this too, as someone who has, who is moving through the loss and is grieving, I myself have to be a little gentle with other people (laughs) because we have these ideas of like, this is how you, I wish you were showing up this way. I wish you would say this. I wish you would do this. And again, like you said, Brooke, it's all these expectations we're placing on other people's when everyone's going, you know, everyone's living their lives and we shouldn't fault them for that. So I, I think there's like a, a gentle judgment free sort of thing that has to happen between everybody here. And, you know, I mean, you know, you can feel it when, it, when people are genuine and then they kind of misstep, right? Like they, they had really good intentions and hopefully you can feel comfortable enough to use your voice and say, I know you're trying to support me and I see that I appreciate it. And X, Y, and Z would actually be more supportive, you know, and really, like you said earlier, saying what you need. And then the people that, you know, are reaching out to check a box, you know, there's no point in correcting it. The relationship's not there. Just keep moving on. Grief is a really good way to set some boundaries, (laughs) you know, Mm. and we're not generally very good at that. I would say most of us, and it's really necessary here because everyone grieves differently and I don't expect you to know how I'm grieving. So if it feels really good for me to be alone and at my home, and I don't want all this company over bringing all this food, I have to tell people because someone else might feel like I'm supporting them by like showing up and bringing them food. I'll come cook for you. It's things that sound good, but if I don't really want them, if they're not really serving me, how are they to know? Like I have to set that boundary too. I think a hard one for me that I was just thinking about is when, when I was going through the loss of my parents, when people were like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what are you sorry for? Mm-hmm. just say it sucks. Like, just tell me it sucks. Cause it sucks. I'm broken. Like, don't tell me you're sorry. And so it's interesting because some people don't care. They're like, they don't mind when someone says they're sorry, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry this happened to you. So that's why everybody's experience is so different in what feels good to them. And I also think it's a great time in your friendships before something does happen to ask them, yeah, what would be really supportive to you? If something was to happen, right? Like how can we, or even during it? Yeah. How can we be proactive? Yeah. That's a really great part. It's a, that's a good reminder. Communication is always key in all things. And the same goes for loss. If it's someone who you really love and you want to support, it's okay to say, Hey, here, here's how I'm feeling. That is, I can best support you right now, but how does this feel good to you? If it doesn't, I will just, yeah. you know, sometimes we need quiet. Sometimes we need to be, we need thing, we need noise. Sometimes we want to be left alone. Sometimes we want to be with people. Like just ask. And if they don't know because they're so deep in their grief, that's okay too. I, that's the thing about this conversation is that these are all helpful things to consider, but then you have to get specific and personalize it for yourself and everyone around you. Brooke and I and Elizabeth cannot tell you how to treat and care for and tend to everybody in your life who is moving through something hard. But I think that what's often overlooked is the ability to use our voice and to ask and to tell. And we do not do that enough, no matter what the topic is. So it's just like, let's strengthen that area for for everything. But this especially. To the I'm sorry comment, 
I don't mind when people say that. What I do mind is when people, if someone's saying that to you and the person responds, it's okay. It's not okay. So mm-hmm. I just respond like, I appreciate that sentiment or thank you, you know, because I, I get that they're like, oh, that's yeah. really hard. And I'm sorry that that happened. Cool. But I'm never going to respond. It's okay. And I tried to teach other women like, don't say it's okay. And this could be yeah. about loss. This could be about a lot of things. It's not okay. That's why they're apologizing. Like, it's yeah. not okay. Yeah, gosh, it is true, you know, and I'm sure we could all recount all the things, you know, that have been said to us as far as loss, like, oh, they're in a better place. They're looking down at you. That's like the worst thing. And so if you're listening and you've said that, or you could potentially say it, don't say they're in a better place because we'd rather have them here, you know? And It's so funny you said that because I was actually just going to say, and if you've said any of those things, don't shame yourself either. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all been there. We probably have said something sometimes just truly a loss of words. (laughs) And so don't shame or guilt yourself either. You know, you probably did the best you can with what you, what you know, what you have. Now that you've listened to this, you're just a little bit more informed and you'll be in a better place next time to, to just be more thoughtful perhaps around the topic and around the things you say. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference. Just, I think it's the intentional piece to it. And that, that was the big part to doing this is, you know, honoring pregnancy and infant loss and honoring the babies, you know, in this whole process, whether you were pregnant for a very short time or thought you were pregnant and you had, you know, any type of positive pregnancy test or baby or any, any sort of thing to be able to do that. And also shed light on, there are so many more things than, you know, the thing that you can see than a miscarriage, than infant loss, like the decisions that women have to make, you know, the TFMR, which is such a good episode if you have not had a chance to listen to it. And I know Brooke shares her story in there. And I do think, you know, Lauren, it's interesting. You, I know you kind of mentioned pieces of it, you know, and I don't know if you, I want to give you space if you do want to share a part of it or pieces that feel comfortable, or we can direct them somewhere else. But I just think that we just don't share it enough. And so people think that theirs is never big enough. So they don't share, you know, we Mm -hmm. talked about that, like, oh, mine's not as big as Lauren's. So I'm not going to share that. Or, you know, I just had a miscarriage and I was just this, or I had a molar pregnancy and it really wasn't anything. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to do this for medical reasons because I've met more women recently that had to terminate because of medical reasons. And people within some of these communities don't see that as a loss because it was a choice. You know, something that's coming up when I hear you say that is, is also, you know, ask the women around you, especially the older women around you, because I, you know, our, our moms, our grandmas, maybe even your great grandma, you know, if you're lucky, they did not have the ability, the blessing, the privilege to talk about these things. And so they have held it in their entire lives. And I've had women send me messages who, you know, are in their seventies and say, thank you so much for sharing. I had this experience too, and I was never allowed to talk about it. And so it really kind of like jolted me, reminded me, like, have I ever asked my mom if she had to move through something hard like that? Have I ever asked my grandma? Like these women who came before us did not have the ability so something kind of interesting to tap into there as well. And another piece of the story, you know, because you were saying like share a little bit more. I was almost 32 weeks. I was nearly 32 weeks pregnant. So I was well into my, you know, well into my pregnancy and ended up having to have a C-section, having him at the hospital. And it was just all a complete days. I wasn't prepared for it. I, I literally left my house. We were going to go to a birthday party. And I just was not feeling quite right. I wasn't feeling him move in there. And I told my husband and my kids, like, you guys just go to the birthday party. I'm just going to like run up to the hospital and make sure everything's okay. And even the entire drive up to the hospital, I I was just like so in denial. There just was no way anything was going to be wrong and ended up giving birth later that day. And I even at this time was able to have, you know, family members and close friends come up and hold him as a stillborn, which holy moly, I look back at now and I was like, wow, I was in a whole nother dimension to invite people <laughs> to come and hold 
this baby. I'm glad I did and also feel bad that I did. That's an interesting part. But I think that sharing that, what I want to say too, is that I feel bad for my husband sometimes because everyone looks at me and it's like, I am so, I cannot believe like you're lost. Like you had to have this, like, you know, we're the mothers. So it's, there's definitely a different level that's happening for us, but he went through it too. And he lost himself too. And he was there to like hold me up while I was a complete fucking mess for months, even held up our businesses, my business. Like I did nothing for like six months, but grieve, which again, what a privilege. Thank you. But God, I feel bad for him sometimes because we're having this conversation and you're probably thinking about all the women in your life. And you're not thinking about, I I guarantee you might be like, right. Oh yeah. I didn't think about my friend's husband. I didn't think about, you know, this guy over here. And so don't forget that this happens to, to, you know, the male counterpart, or it doesn't have to be a male, obviously just the counterpart in the situation, the spouse, the significant other, even if they didn't physically have the baby, they still are moving through the loss. And I don't think that's talked about at all. And it's just kind of hitting me right now, bringing it up. It's like less let us not forget that sometimes there's multiple parties that we have to love and support through it. I, it makes me remember like my, my husband and I led um, a stillbirth group for couples. And honestly, the most powerful part was giving men the space to share and to hear their story. Like before we had the wives speak or partners speak or females, you know, birthing bodies, just having the partners share their perspective there isn't space for that. And we need to do better at creating it. I mean, my husband was at a loss. Like I I had that group, you know, I found it within two weeks and was able to go. And there's nothing really like that for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of why Elizabeth and I started doing couples retreats because, you know, we're doing all this work for women. And sometimes we forget that like, you know, it's hard to be your, your, your best self, your most reclaimed self, and then go home. Right. And not have the the person you love most feelings like they understand and can be supported through it too. So yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this again, we actually have our next couples retreat in February that we're really excited about. And that is a place where, you know, he gets to work through some really hard stuff too. So yeah, it's important to think about that. I don't think I give, you know, I I don't think I bring light to that enough, sort of. And I know that my husband really had a hard time as well, if not worse, because maybe I was lucky, but he let me grieve, you know, and he really let me take my time with it. And in order to do that, he had to like, hold, hold me up, like hold this up, hold the family up. And so when I had finally moved through it, you know, as if there is an end time to that. <laughs> when I had finally gotten to a more comfortable place with it, he had to start his journey. <laughs> it's just, there's, again, there's just so much here, but just don't forget, don't forget about the counterpart as well. And sometimes we don't have as much compassion because we've moved through it and we're like, what's going on here? Not recognizing until we actually take a moment to slow down and realize that, like you said, they're moving through it too, through something And people don't, you know, I think this is a great reminder to people to also check on your friend's partner or, you know, like ask them how they're doing or let your friend know that you're thinking about them too, because I think get your husband to do it. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Remind your husband to check on his buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Because men don't have that. Men don't have what we have as women and not, I get this, not every woman has it a group of women that they can be with and share with and, you know, feel supported by. But I feel like it's not very, it's normalized for women. It's not for men. And we don't talk about that enough, how, you know, we don't normalize what men are moving through because they're supposed to right? And in society and generations of time and just in general, they're the people, they're the rock of the family. They're this, they shouldn't fall apart but really that's not the case, but we don't give them space to do that mm-hmm. because they're supposed to be a certain way mm-hmm. and it sucks. Loss, it sucks. Pregnancy and infant loss affects everyone in the family. 
you know, the sisters, the brothers, the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents, like everyone, it, it takes a hit. So it's okay to just, you know, check on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Brooke, I know, I know you shared this in another episode, but do you just want to just give them a synopsis of yours and we can direct them there too? just share as much as. Okay. Yeah. I can do a little brief synopsis. Um, basically long story short, I, after nine years of infertility, uh, I got pregnant and things I was excited, but nervous, you know, kind of questioning my body's ability after nine years of unexplained infertility and finally allowed myself to get excited. And we were super happy to have this new chapter and this kind of crazy turn of events. And, um, we did the genetic test only for the gender. Like I wasn't even thinking about anything being wrong genetically at all. It hadn't crossed my mind. And it came back um, with high markers for trisomy 13. It was confirmed by a detailed ultrasound at 17 weeks. And uh, I was you know, offered multiple times to terminate the pregnancy. And I can really see and understand why people choose to do that. For me, um, my honestly, like, I'm not going to say selfish because that's not the right word. Um, I, I never experienced pregnancy and I thought this was my only shot. And so I wanted to experience it and experience him for as long as, as possible, as long as my body and his body would allow. And um, he was stillborn at 33 weeks. So we made it, he and I made it a a good long way. He kind of defied the odds. Nobody really thought that he would make it that far into the pregnancy. Um, and you know, similar to Lauren's story, I, I can't, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I had, a, I had some time to prep and like, it was this anticipatory grief. So a little bit different. I knew I wasn't going to be bringing him home. Um, but I also felt like a ticking time bomb. I never knew what day it was going to be. If it, it was such an odd it was such an odd feeling. And then to be pregnant and people, and you know, responding to you and interacting with you in the world and they're excited and you're like knowing, okay, this isn't going to end in excitement. It was such a, an, a difficult and odd journey. And then, you know, we had people at the, the hospital room too, a lot of people and had a birthday party and a cake and we tried to make it as celebratory as possible. And, you know, I'm thankful for the time that those family members had with him. And I think it, changed them too and was really important. And also I was like, how did I birth a stillborn baby? And 30 minutes later, there's like 12 people in my room. Like I just can't can't comprehend looking back now. Um it's probably good that I wasn't fully <laughs> aware. But yeah, you can hear a little more of that story in, in the episode that we'll link. Um, but yeah, it was a little it was a little bit different in the fact that you know, I had a terminal diagnosis and I guess was preparing as much as one can. And that's, I think the part, Brooke, that we talk about in the other episode, you made this decision based off what you felt was right and what you wanted. Rachel made the decision based off what was right for her, you know, and, and something that she talks about in there too, that because her baby had a different outcome potentially than yours. Something I think about all the time when it comes to her is she chose her suffering versus his. It's something she has to live with the rest of her life. This decision that she made versus choosing his suffering for the rest of his life to live outside in this world on vents and on, you know, all that she talks all about that. But I think that's where you can really put yourself in someone else's shoes is she didn't, the decision wasn't easy. She gets to live with that decision every day of her life. You know, that's not really a decision. Well, you know, yeah, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like people talk about choice all the time and, um, oh, okay. Well your choices are a shit sandwich or a shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, it, I think we've got to even be careful when we're around people of been talking about choice too, because if we want to say choice, like if I were to have another pregnancy with a genetic diagnosis like that, I, I don't, I couldn't do it again. Like my mental and emotional health matters. And Lauren and I both had losses when we had other children, you know, you have to 
show up for them and and move them through it as well. And that's a whole different journey in and of itself. I, I couldn't stay in bed for a year like I wanted to. I had to get up with my son who was adopted and help him move through it and take him to preschool and make his lunch and do all the things and show up in all the ways. And uh, I think we've got to be so careful, even with our language of like, I love that you emphasize the right choice for her and the right choice for me. There is no really right or wrong. It's what's good for you. Yeah. Or the, yeah. That's what I wanted people to, that, that's really where I wanted to go. So someone listening who made, you know, like it, when I say choice, her doctor said, you can do this or you do this. She chose this. It's not right or wrong. It's the choice or the decision that was best for her and what she thought was best for him. You know, so I think that that's the only thing is just reminding ourselves that it's what's best for one another. And we never know because we've, we're not in their shoes. And so I don't know. I think there's so much we can talk about. Clearly there's, there's, you, as you guys know, with most topics we do on here, there's always a part two because of this, but I just wanted to really put this out there, be able to put it out there during October and let you hear stories because so many women move through this or are moving through this. And just your reminder that you aren't alone in it, that there are so many communities, like Brooke said, you know, Lauren and Brooke are part of the same group. They're part of the same community in that aspect because they are moving through it. So you're never alone because now, you know, two more women that have been through it or have walked through it that can support you in that. And so as always, we're going to make sure that their Instagram handles are in here so you can DM them or DM us over at Detroit mom or wherever you want to find us, but just know that you're not alone on your journey. And just, we're just really, I'm, I'm grateful that you guys are here to share this story. Cause I know that it's not easy. And also that your goal and what you want to do is to support other women. So they know they're not alone walking through it. Yeah. And if, if I may, I want to just encourage you to reach out. And if you know a friend, give them our information and tell them to reach out. Like, think that it's it's really helpful whether or not they choose to do it to at least give them some sort of resource like hey i listened to this podcast episode you know lauren and brooklyn through this they shared their instagram handles they want you to reach out and share your story and hold some space for you and you know if it feels good to them they get to make that decision but at least they have an option and sometimes you just need someone to tell it to you just Mm -hmm. need someone to listen to you and witness you and maybe they, you don't really need either of them to say anything. You just need someone to hear you that would understand and just hold that space for you. Okay. Thank you again, ladies, for being here. Thank you for listening. And we hope you have a, the best week and we will see you next week. Bye for now.